All right. Now we've been talking out of Daniel, the ninth chapter. Incidentally, on that form, there's one mistake. Notice the entire plan outlined where it says seven weeks. There's a block, A, B, to C. Well, D should not be at the beginning of the first block. It should be at the end of that block. So erase D and put D at the end of one week, seven years. That block right there, down at the bottom, all right? Put it right there. Okay, now, let me start reading in Daniel 9, 24 for you. You follow with your Bible. Daniel 9, 24, you don't have a Bible? Maybe you can just follow in someone else's. Use theirs as well as they use it, all right? Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. Now notice, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, Daniel here is talking of a period of time called 70 weeks. Now, 70 weeks, we told you, means 490 years. God says, I have a program. Now, notice we've been talking about a purpose on Sunday night. God said to Daniel, you tell thy people Israel, I have a purpose. This is part of the purpose. 490 years are determined on your people. They start with the command to rebuild the holy city, Jerusalem, and those 490 years will go on until the Messiah is anointed Messiah King. Now, the 490 years are broken up. Notice the chart right here. First one is seven weeks, 49 years. A to B. A is the command to rebuild Jerusalem. B is Jerusalem rebuilt and the wall completed. It took 49 years to do that. Then from B to C, we have from Jerusalem rebuilt, the wall completed, up until the Messiah is cut off. That's 62 weeks or 434 years. So from A to C is 400 and how many years? 83 years. There's one week left or seven years. Now, some of you have said to me, Pastor, how do you get... A week is seven years. Well, I don't want to spend a lot of time because I've done that before. But let me show you something. All right, now the word week. If you were to look at that Hebrew word, all week means is seven. Seven. So we literally can read verse 24 of Daniel 9. Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven are determined upon thy people. Now, how do we know that's years? All right, go with me, if you will, in your Bible to Leviticus 25. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus 25. And let's see something. Let's ask the question, why were the children of Israel in Babylon? Why did God have the holy city, Jerusalem, absolutely leveled? They were just a small remnant left. Why did he carry, have the, most of the people carried off into Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar? Why were they there? How long were they in Babylon? Seventy years. Now put that in your mind. They were there for 70 years. All right, let's look at Leviticus 25 
verses 3 and 4. Now you follow as I read. Leviticus 25, verses 3 and 4. Six years shalt thou sow thy field, and six years shalt thou prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. Now God said to the Israelites, they were mainly an agricultural community, and they were told they could till the ground, sow the seed, reap for six years as much as they wanted. But notice the fourth verse. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land. Now notice, the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. Now, God said, my land shall have a rest. Six years you can plow, till, sow, reap, but the seventh year you are not to touch it. Leave it alone. It's to be a Sabbath for the land. Rest for the land. Now, I've talked to some who are over in Penn State in days gone by. I spoke to a group of their men years ago, some of their professors. And after the meeting was over and after they interrogated me, I said, some of you men here understand agriculture. I said, what about the land resting every seventh year? One man said, it's the greatest thing in the world. said, if we could get farmers to do that, they would have a greater yield out of their fields. Now, God said, though, this is part of the Mosaic law. This is one of the 613 commands. Every seventh year, the land is to rest. All right, go down and notice verse 8. Leviticus 25, verse 8. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years. That's 49 years. Now notice, thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years. And the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. Shall ye make a trumpet sound throughout all your land? And ye shall hallow, make holy, the fiftieth year to proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. Now, he said, every seventh year is a Sabbath of the land, the land's to rest. After you've had seven Sabbaths, 49 years, the 50th year is the greatest year of all. All debts were canceled on the 50th year. Any Jew who was in debt had his debt canceled. Any man who had sold his property got it back again in the 50th year. Any man who was sold into slavery, and there was slavery under the Mosaic law, he was set free in that 50th year, the year of jubilee. Now, God said, you've got to do this. You see, when God has ordinances, this was what perturbs me so much with these people say we have two ordinances today. We're going to have communion this Sunday, but it's no ordinance. When God gave an ordinance, and he calls these ordinances, when God gives an ordinance, you better do it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's a must. And Israel was said, every seventh year the land must rest. It's a Sabbath. 
Every 50th year, you set it aside as a year jubilee. But what did Israel do? She failed to obey. Go with me to 2 Chronicles 36, if you will. 2 Chronicles 36. And let's notice something now. 2 Chronicles 36. Notice the fifth verse. 2 Chronicles 36, 5. 2 Chronicles 36, 5. I want you to see this. You'll never understand Daniel 9 until you see this. 2 Chronicles 36, 5. Jehoiakim was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign. Now he was reigning over God's earthly people. And he reigned 11 years where? In Jerusalem. That's important. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Against him came up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and bound him in fetters to carry him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried part of the vessels of the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in the temple at Babylon. Now, here is Israel, what we're talking about. Daniel's in captivity with his people, and he's asking, Lord, give me light. When are we going to leave here? When are we going to be back in our land? Why? All right. God permitted Nebuchadnezzar to come up against Zedekiah, king, kill his son, put out his eyes, carry him captive along with most of the people into Babylon. Now, why did all this happen? Why? You say the sin of Jehoiakim? Partly, but that's not the main reason. What's the main reason Israel was carried off into captivity? All right, if you have your Bibles, go down to the 21st verse of 2 Chronicles 36. 2 Chronicles 36, 21. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, now listen, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath. To fulfill three score and ten years. That's 70 Sabbaths, or 490 years. Now, what happened? Israel, for 490 years, disobeyed God. Did not keep his ordinance of the land. They did not keep that seventh year. Seventy of them. And they were in Babylon 70 years in captivity. But the 70 years are about over now. Now, keep this in mind. 70 sevens again. 490 years she disobeyed God's ordinance of the land. And God said, for this reason, I put you in captivity. I put you under the heel of Nebuchadnezzar. I put you under the yoke of Babylon. And I've taken you out of your land. 490 years. Now what's God saying? All right, Daniel, you're going to go back to the land. City's going to be rebuilt. And from the command to rebuild the city, you're going to have 490 years again. Seventy-seven, just like here. Seventy-seven. 490 years from the command of the rebuilding of the city, not the temple, the city, until the anointing of the Messiah as Messiah King in Jerusalem is 490 years. So you have 490 and 490 years right on top of one another. 
Now, I've only scratched the surface, but that shows the situation. Now, go back to Daniel for a minute. Daniel 9, 24. And notice what it says here. Seventy-seven, and as we know, this is speaking of Israel, God's people. It's determined upon them because they've already disobeyed for 490 years. Seventy-sevens are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to do what? What's going to be accomplished when the 490 years are all up? Number one, to finish the transgression. Number two, and to make an end of sins. Number three, to make reconciliation for iniquity. Number four, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Number five, to seal up the vision and prophecy. Number six, and to anoint the most holy. Now, six things are going to be accomplished when the 490 years are complete. But wait a minute. Notice verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah. Now, I've read a lot of books, and I listen to a lot of people, and they make a great mistake here. The 490 years did not begin until God gave the command to rebuild the city, not the temple. Let me show you that. Go to Ezra, if you will, the first chapter. Ezra, the first chapter. Ezra. Notice in Ezra. First chapter, starting with the first verse. Ezra 1, 1. Ezra, the first, Ezra, the first chapter, the first verse. Okay? Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that the word of the Lord might by the mouth of Jeremiah be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. Now notice. And he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah. To do what? And build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, what's the rest of it? Which is in Jerusalem. Now, this is not the command of Daniel 9.25. This is the command to rebuild the temple. Go to the very next book, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if you will, the second chapter. Nehemiah 2 and the second verse. Nehemiah 2.2. 2. Nehemiah, the second chapter and the second verse. Here is where the time starts. Nehemiah 2.2, 2, the 490 years. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? king is talking to God's man. He said, Why is your countenance sad? You're not sick. Nothing physically wrong with you. This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then was I very much afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city the place of my father's sepulchers lieth waste, and its gates are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For why dost thou make requests? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said unto the king, 
if it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me to Judah unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sent, and I set him a time. Now, the command was given by Cyrus. The king here gave a command. Rebuild the city. And this is the beginning in Nehemiah. It's not the one to rebuild the temple. Now, the temple, of course, was rebuilt. But when that command went forth, rebuild the city that had been devastated by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, with his horde. The command. And it started the 490 years. And it took 49 years to complete rebuilding the city. Now, let's go back to Daniel and let us notice the next thing I want you to see tonight. Starting in Daniel 9, 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. That's seven. And how many is the threescore and two? Sixty-two. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Now, what does this mean? Let's understand something tonight. There's to be 483 years from the command to rebuild Jerusalem till the Messiah is cut off. Now remember, this is upon God's earthly people. This is God's purpose for them. This is part of the overall purpose, the program, the plan. 490 years. Now we've told you that some people say, well, the cutting off of the Messiah happened at the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. They've taken a great deal of time to figure out the years. And I'm not going to bore you with that. If you want, I'd like to do it sometime, but I don't know if you'd want to sit here that long. But I think they're greatly mistaken. Others sit down and say, no, that's wrong. It's up till the time that Jesus Christ was crucified. And they too, very carefully, by years, they say 360 years, 360 days to a year, it comes up to the time that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. But you see, none of that can really be. Why can't it be? Well, 490 years, now you're listening, 490 years are determined upon thy people. Did the time of the people stop at the cross? Was Israel set aside at the cross? You'd have to say so if you say that's where he was cut off. You'd have to say and be a very poor dispensationalist. Well, Israel was set aside because this is 490 years determined upon thy people. Did, it, did God stop working with his people at the cross? Of course not. Turn with me very quickly to Acts, the second chapter. Let's see something here very quickly. Acts 2. Acts, the second chapter on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, 22. Acts 2, 22. Now, listen carefully. I want you to see this. 
ye men of Israel. Now, they by wicked hands crucified Jesus Christ. No question about it. God held them responsible for it, even though he crucified God the Son. But Israel crucified Jesus Christ, and on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ prayed to the Father, what? Forgive them, what? For they know not what they do. Israel could not have been set aside at the cross. Impossible. Only possible if the prayer of Jesus Christ was not answered. Do you think Jesus Christ prayed a prayer and then God the Father ignored it? Of course not. Father, forgive them, Israel, for they know not what they do. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians? The princes of this world, if they had known who he was, they wouldn't have crucified him. They did it through ignorance. Peter also says Israel did it through ignorance. Now, they crucified the Lord of glory, but God wasn't finished with Israel. Jesus Christ prayed a prayer and God the Father heard it and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, here in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost is proof that he did not forget. He did not put aside Jesus Christ's prayer. He said, ye men of Israel. How could he talk to the men of Israel if they'd been set aside, if the Messiah had been cut off? And when he's cut off, there's no more history for Israel. The moment he's cut off, the part of the 490 years is over. Has to be. Doesn't start again until the last week or the seven years, the tribulation. You see, this is one of the things that makes me so positive that our, our dispensationalism is right. Church couldn't have started at Pentecost. Absolutely ridiculous. Israel is still here. He's still dealing with Israel. Now notice that 22nd verse. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye Israel have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Is that the end? Is that the end? If that's where Jesus Christ was cut off, that's the end. But it's not. Notice the 24th verse. Whom God hath raised up. Here's the resurrection. Having loosed the pains of death. Why? Because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Now to save time, go down to verse 31. He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses, Israel. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's he doing? He's saying, Israel, Israel, you crucified Jesus Christ, but that wasn't the end. What did God do? Why, God raised him from the dead, ascended him into heaven, and he's now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Israel, God's not done with you now. You through ignorance crucified him, and now he's in heaven as Lord. Go with me to Acts 3. Acts, the third chapter. Acts 3, 31. Acts 3, 31. Now notice this. Not Acts 3, 31, excuse me. Uh, 
Acts, the third chapter here, let me see. Over here in 14th verse, Acts 2, 14, Acts 3, 14 is what I want you to have. Excuse me, Acts 3, 14. But ye denied the Holy One and the just. Again, he's re, re, telling Israel their sin. And desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. Now, I'd have to stop here if that's where Jesus Christ was cut off. If that's the end of the history of Israel, 490 years are up at the crucifixion. This is the end. No message for Israel. It's all over. But he doesn't stop there. Go down to the 19th verse. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, who before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the age began. Now, what did he say? All right. Again, the day of Pentecost, Jesus Christ is crucified, he's buried, he's resurrected, he's seated in heaven for Israel. Now, here again, Jesus Christ is crucified by Israel, but he has been raised from the dead. He's now in heaven. If they'll repent, God will send Jesus Christ back. Israel hasn't been cut off. 490 years are not up. Can't be. If Jesus Christ was cut off and that ended the 490 years, this portion of Scripture does not make sense. Turn with me to Acts, the second chapter, and notice something else right here, all right? And notice what he says in the 26th verse, Acts 2, 26. Acts 2, 26. Unto you first, that's protos, final leader, Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, Israel, in turning away every one of you from his what? Iniquities. Notice Israel. Israel. The 490 years are not up at this point. They can't be. Israel's still in a covenant position being offered the kingdom for the first time in its history. Now what else? What does it mean, the Messiah, to be cut off? He wasn't cut off at the cross. He was resurrected from the dead. That cutting off wasn't completed. How could it be? He rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sat down on the right hand of God the Father. What's the cutting off mean? Well, go with me to Luke 19 for a second. Luke, the 19th chapter. Luke 19 and the 11th verse. Luke 19, 11. Now, this is for Israel, and this is part of the 490 years. Has to be. All right, Luke 19, 11. As they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable. Why? Because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Now, here he is close to Jerusalem. And they're ready to make him king, some of the people. Set up the kingdom. But it isn't time, so he tells them a parable. All right, the 12th verse. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country. Jesus Christ is that nobleman. I don't know of anyone who disagrees with that. That's fundamental. Far country is heaven. All right. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he has to return to have a kingdom. And he called his ten servants and delivered his ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens, notice his citizens hated him. 
and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to rule over us, this nobleman. He is to return and have a kingdom. And those servants, his citizens, sent word to him. We'll not have this nobleman. He's not going to reign over us. We don't want him. Now, how is this parable fulfilled? It's in Acts. Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended into heaven, sat down. Didn't sit down, excuse me, went into heaven right at this point. And waiting for Israel in the early part of Acts to receive him as Messiah King. Israel, you repent, and Jesus Christ will be sent to you by the Father. Times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Well, go with me to Acts. And notice in Acts, the seventh chapter. Acts 7. Acts 7. And let me start reading from the 54th verse. Here we have Stephen, before Sanhedrin, the ruling body of Israel. Acts 7, 54. When they heard these things, Israel, the leaders of Israel, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, everything he said was true, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus. What's the next word? What's that word? Standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now notice, let's get this picture. Here Stephen is preaching, telling Israel of their sins and how they've reacted. And boy, they become infuriated. They gnashed on him with their teeth. And he's full of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost filling him gives him the opportunity to look into heaven and he sees Jesus Christ standing, not seated, standing. And the 56th verse, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And this really infuriated the Sanhedrin, 57th verse. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their, stopped their ears and ran on him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Now, do you notice what happened here? This is the fulfillment of Luke 19, the parable. They sent Stephen back to Jesus Christ still standing in heaven. We'll not have this man Christ. They stopped their ears so they couldn't hear Stephen. They didn't even want to hear the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah. And they drug Stephen out of the city and they stoned him. He said, I see Jesus and he went up to heaven. That is the point where the nation cut him off. Said, we'll not have him. We don't want him. We're finished with him. Israel's clock stops. Not right here, but shortly after this. And God at that point raises up Saul of Tarsus, the young man who was standing by and gave the command to stone Stephen and he held the clothes of those who held the coats of those who stoned Stephen and God sends him forth to the Gentiles the 490 years didn't stop at the cross Israel was still in covenant position still had the opportunity to believe on to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ 
And they sent word back to him for he's still standing. He's not standing tonight. He's seated right now. He's standing here. And they said, you go back, Stephen, and you tell him we don't want him. And they cut him off. And shortly the 490 years came to a screeching halt. They had one more sin to commit. Remember what that was? They wouldn't let Paul and his gospel team go to the Gentiles. And according to 1 Thessalonians 2, this filled up their sin. And that generation was set aside, and God said, I'm going to give the kingdom to a generation bringing forth fruit, meat for repentance. That's back the end of the tribulation, the last of the 70 weeks. But beloved, Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the anointed one was cut off, not at the cross, not at the day of triumphal entry, but cut off when God said, all right, Israel, your time is up. The 483 years are consummated. It's over. They have seven years in the future, but now I'm going to deal with the Gentiles. Oh, I still have another whole page of notes to use tonight. Did you know that? Would you like to sit by for another half hour? Don't shake your head, no. Just don't do anything, all right? Don't insult me. Make me feel bad, all right? But say, I got some more things I'd like to share with you on this. I've not finished at all. Will you come back next Wednesday night? Shake your head yes now. All right, fine. Let us bow our hearts in a word of prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank thee for Jesus Christ. We thank thee for each precious soul that's here tonight. Thank thee for thy wonderful word, and may we constantly search it out, receive light from thee, know more and more of thy purpose, thy program, thy eternal will. And now, Father, we pray all who are here are truly saved. We pray, Father, that those who are saved will be witnesses. The studying of the word makes them compels them to go forth with the gospel of the grace of God. And Father, we'll thank thee for this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.